Welcome to Fragmented Minds, a podcast that looks at mental health from the patient's chair. I'm the Xanity System. And I'm Celine. In this episode, we introduce the concept of system responsibility and the story of Billy Milligan. Before we begin this episode, we have to offer the following disclaimer. This show is for educational purposes and is primarily our opinions. It is not intended as a substitute for medical advice. If you have been upset by or believe you or a loved one have a mental illness as a result of these discussions, please seek advice from your doctor or therapist. Hello, Celine. How are you doing today? Mixed bag, to be honest. Uh, came across something on the Twitters that it kind of is a bit upsetting considering what we're aiming for here at Fragmented Minds. Yeah, um, Hermione told me a little bit about that and shared some information. Would you like to let the audience know? So Apple TV are doing a series called The Crowded Room, which is supposed to be about overcoming mental health issues. Now, their choice for dissociative identity disorder is Billy Milligan, who in the 70s was able to get the insanity plea under, I'm going to use the old term because of how old this case was, multiple personality disorder and getting put into mental hospitals instead of prison for crimes including multiple rapes of women. Oh. (laughs) Okay. As far as I understand, um, Milligan is pretty much the only person to get off as such on this charge. But it brings up a very important lesson to teach systems and singlets alike who might be seeking to understand DID collectively. We talked about having this discussion prior, but I think Milligan might be a really good case study to explain the concept of system responsibility, which you introduced me to before we started recording this show. Yeah, system responsibility, I think, with this is pretty important because what I've seen from friends who have DID as well talking about this a lot of people are pretty upset and I know that you said earlier your search on social media showed that there is quite a public outrage about and being used well yeah I mean we have some perfectly valid examples of people who have worked with their disorders you mentioned a couple on previous occasions we have examples like Herschel Walker who is very famous for his football career he had DID and he had a violent outburst linked to it but he accepted the consequences of it and he has worked to resolve them so they don't happen again you got Robert B Oxnam who is a published author the character portrayed by Halle Berry and Frankie and Alice is actually a real person who had to learn to overcome the anger within her altars. And yet, despite all these great examples, and even the ones that we see online, you know, Jess from Multiplicity and Me has done a documentary where her altars are played out by actors as a kind of representation of what's going on in her mind. And yet they choose this person who was a criminal. And the thing that makes me cross as an individual is it implies one of two things. One is that people with DID are incapable of processing that they have a responsibility to society 
and should be excused from behavior like Milligan's, which I think is insulting to everyone involved because majority of people do not commit crimes, DID or no. And the other thing is that people with DID already have enough issues with people thinking that there's like a serial killer lurking among the altars. But another example of criminality and DID being together is going to make things worse for a lot of people, especially if it's on something that's a very mainstream platform, like Apple's everywhere. Yeah, that's... That's what bothers me. Uh, Hermione did a bit of research into this for me because I have seen Billy Milligan's name pop up. I know that there is a book about his life. I know that he has DID, but I've always overlooked him because of his history and his past. I'm not as interested in following criminals who got away with what they did just because of the condition that they live with. Yeah. So for me, like I'm digesting this information newly while also responding to it. And it's really infuriating to me in some ways. You would think as somebody with DID, I would love to be able to say, hey, that was a problem that we have because of our trauma and I would love to get treatment for it. As system responsibility is a concept, it's a concept that the DID community or the multiplicity community as a whole tends to remind each other of. You are responsible for everything that anyone does in your body. So Zane, myself, might not be in control while Queenie is, let's say, drinking a bunch of alcohol because she does like her alcohol and mixed drinks. Now, if I wake up in the morning, and I wake up with a hangover, it's my responsibility to then get water and get electrolytes and get the proper food into my body so that we can deal with the hangover. I still have a responsibility to my body. If Queenie also did anything like getting into a fight with a friend, which has happened before, she's a bit of a spitfire. Can confirm. Can confirm. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry. No, that's great. It also lets the audience know we're still new to podcasting and the Queenie and you have talked to each other and that is definitely in her personality that she's a spitfire. She has been known to get into tits and tats with my friends. So it is ability to reconcile that and to address Queenie and to find ways to prevent that and... Because I know that I can't control Queenie or convince her not to get into fights with other people. One way I try to take responsibility for the system is I let friends of the system know, hey, Queenie can be intense. Queenie can be disrespectful in the way that she's conveying a problem that she has. She's usually right that there's a problem, but the cussing and the way that she goes about it is very disrespectful. So... If you need to take a break from her, if you need to take a break from us, if you don't want to talk to us, I understand. You know, I want other people to have their boundaries. I want other people to feel safe. I want other people to feel comfortable. I want them to feel like we can actually talk out our problems without it turning into a yelling match. And that's the best way I know to take responsibility is to give 
people close a, a heads up that I'm aware that this is an issue and I'm doing what I can to work on this issue with Queenie and that, you know, it's, it's slow going, but I'll, you know, keep you up on the progress as I can. Hopefully you'll see the progress as Queenie learns to express her problems in a respectful, communicative, two-way kind of manner. It, it's also important that if you get into legal trouble as a system, you have to take responsibility for the legal trouble that your body did, even if it's an alter you don't know, even if you don't remember what happened, you know, and, and that can be a scary experience having to be legally responsible for something you don't remember doing. At the same time, you are legally responsible. You're body legal name and your physical being is responsible for the actions that that body has taken regardless of what identity was forward at the time yeah and i just knowing that billy milligan was able to get out of legal repercussions pretty much is pretty upsetting yeah now i know that we looked a little bit into his history and it seems to me like he definitely had a traumatic history, but that doesn't excuse what he did. Because in our notes here, I see that he was arrested in 1975 for armed robbery and rape. And then he became a registered sex offender after that. That's right. In fact, one of his victims in 77 was able to identify him from the picture on the sex offender's register. Oh, that's a little crazy. But also, I'm I'm absolutely glad that he was caught because whatever reason the system had to rape another human being or conduct armed robbery, that's not a way that you can get by in our society, not even in the 70s and not in 2021 <laughs> at the time of recording. I see that he had a traumatic past in our notes because by age four, his dad had committed suicide and was an alcoholic. Yep was in 1959 so when he was arrested again for raping three people and being in possession of firearms while on parole he would have been 22. yeah um worth bearing in mind in one of his trials he did openly accuse his stepfather of abusing him as well so on top of his mother being quite unstable and financially medical debt in the family which is what drove his father to suicide he has alleged abuse on the part of his stepfather so between all those things and what from what we understand now of the condition the odds of his DID being genuine are quite high but that again does not excuse what doesn't matter which side it was because at the end of the day alters are a part of the person even if they feel like completely different people in a way. And I agree with that. And I know that that's hard for some systems to hear because you feel like a whole person. You are a whole person as an alter within the system, but you're also within a system that functions as a whole. And you are all, I would say, co-workers, family. You know, you're working together the best you can, or you hope that once you get communication with your system for those who are newly diagnosed or still struggling to get to know each other. I forgot where I was going with that. Dissociation. So I just said that alters are still part of a whole person. Alters are still part of a whole person. So 
they might be a bit more extreme than say a persona which is when you kind of act apart because you've got the amnesia barriers and you've got this whole identity forming around the memories that you that this particular side of you has oh right within that like being an alter within a system you might have more than one personality as an alter like you might have more than one one persona that you send out into the world or to your system like we have rogue and he has many sides to himself he has you know his he's mostly angry but he has his happy side he has a depressed side he has a sad side he has a caregiver side he can be really good with kids sometimes and he can be really awkward with kids sometimes you know it kind of depends on what mood he's in and what mental state he's in like many other singlets could relate to experiencing and that can happen within an altar which is why we as alters feel like a complete whole person within ourselves and why it can be so hard sometimes to work within a system at the same time with system responsibility you can't just pass the buck to another altar you have to accept the responsibility for what the system as a whole has done at any part at any point you know, any part of the system has done. You have to take responsibility for it. I'm a little dissociated, so if I sound weird, that's why. Um. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you kind of compare alters to co-workers because in my first paid job, which was for a major cinema chain here in the UK, for obvious reasons, I'm not going to name which one or when that was, but it was when I was young. I'll leave it at that. Every year, we had to renew our health and safety answers from the company standards and the first question was always the same and it was who is responsible for the health and safety on site and the correct answer is everyone everyone plays a part to keep everyone safe and i do feel system responsibility is like a parallel to that I think that's such a great analogy, and I'm really glad that you brought that up, because um, in our system, we don't see each other's family members, although we'll tell other people that we see each other's family members so they understand the connection that we have to each other and the, the yeah. trust and intimacy we have with each other. But I feel like it's a lot more like we do work like co-workers, and I think that okay. the analogy of who's responsible on site everybody's responsible on site for safety for how you interact with other people for how you respect other people and sometimes taking responsibility doesn't mean you can change it right away but it means that you acknowledge it you apologize appropriately you know that it's you that has to change it is you together as a system you have to work together to do what you can so that it doesn't negatively impact your life the people around you and mm. like i said it's it's not always easy and i can at least see how billy milligan with growing up with mostly a financially unstable mother could get himself into armed robbery and then he would spend some time in jail for that you know, whatever felonies are associated with that would be on him as the whole system. It doesn't matter if any of the other alters came out. And I see that some of the alters were already named. Yes. 
Yes. So just to read them aloud for the audience's sake, two names were made apparent in Billy Milligan's case from the age of five, which were um, named Christine, spelt T-E-N-E instead of T-I-N-E, and Sean, which is um, spelt in the way that ends the name is Dawn. So, yeah, there's clear signs that the condition itself was real enough. It's just the fact that they chose someone for whom it became famous through criminality rather than, say, Herschel Walker, who was famous for his football career. He found himself with divorce papers because an altar was violent towards his wife. He got consequences for it. He sought help for it. And theoretically, he's better managed for it. Yeah, and in Herschel Walker's case, um, the act of violence which I'm trying to give people a little bit of a heads up that I'm about to detail the violence in case you need to tune out or skip ahead a couple of seconds, is that he, one of his alters, held a gun up to his wife's head. Um, And they had to take the responsibility of that, of signing the divorce papers because they were no longer safe for their wife in any way now as far as i know he didn't ever hit her but i did do research into herschel walker some time ago and i was sad to hear that any of the alters had gone so far as to conduct that level of psychological and physical violence on somebody Mm. but at the same time he went and he got help he took responsibility for what he did. He signed the divorce papers so that she was no longer indebted to him or tied to him so that she could get out safely. And then he got himself into therapy and really worked on it. And I think that in one of his books, he talks about that, but I haven't had the delight to get the book yet. So as I said multiple times now, there are much better, more understanding examples of overcoming DID, whichever term that it's under, that would be so much better for this TV series than Billy Milligan. Um, as you can imagine, this is there's been quite a lot of backlash on the internet from the DID community because of that. You know, they already have enough issues with people half joking about okay which one of you is the serial killer you know they don't need someone who has committed violent crimes on top yeah and that's we've had hollywood portray enough serial killer alters we've had criminal minds portray um cases of well at least one case i saw i don't know if they did more than one where another one of the alters was a murderer and the thing is is that Even though in our media, our TV, our movies, you see that there are constantly violent, homicidal parts to anybody with DID, that's rare for DID, for the system to get that way. It's the same with, sorry to cut in, it makes me think a lot of... um, people with autism as well so like some people talk about autistic meltdowns being these violent and but the thing is nine times out of ten these outbursts are just a load of noise or they can be 
self-destructive rather than destructive outwards. Yeah, and I find that a lot of people with DID are self-destructive because a lot of them engage in methods of self-harm, such as, um, yep. well, methods of self-harm. I don't have to detail all the methods of self-harm. Um, we can have a different chat someday about that. Yeah, I mean, I would, again, redirect people towards Multiplicity and Me for that. The documentary with the BBC, The Lives We Lead, it pointed out the fact that one of Jess's alters, um, who is out from time to time, um, Ed, before she kind of understood and was able to work with him, he would cut the body's thighs. And then she would find these marks and it was obvious that they were self-harm, but she has no recollection of it. And that was terrifying. So it took a long time for her to come to work with him and get them to get along. Our system has experienced a lot of that as well, and it can terrify you. You'll wonder, what are you capable of, seeing as you're capable of hurting yourself so badly? And mm -hmm. other people don't understand. It's not like you can tell somebody, hey, um, I remember hanging out with you yesterday, but this morning I woke up with a bunch of fresh injuries, fresh cuts, fresh bruises, fresh whatever. And I don't have a clue why I did that. I don't remember any of it. Yeah. It can be frightening and it can make you question yourself. And I don't think that having constant portrayals of homicidal systems is healthy for the public or healthy for anybody with DID because you're not getting a realistic portrayal of what we go through. It is a real case that happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to question whether or not Billy Milligan was a system or not. I'm not going to question that diagnosis because I'm not a professional capable of diagnosing. Neither of us are. Um, nope. And he did go through uh, a decade or more of being in inpatient after his second arrest. Yeah where he did more work with the altars and i just think that i forgot what i was talking about again <laughs> so we were talking about how we weren't we're not in a position to confirm or deny the diagnosis i mean among other things milligan has been dead seven years now so even if we were in a position to we can't really now because we can't talk to him or observe him right but i don't want to be one of those people that calls out people for being real or fake either because that's just uncomfortable for our system because so many people yeah. deal with denial and trying to claim for myself what's real for somebody else sounds like i'm trying to gaslight people so yeah. so i think what you might have been trying to go for because you because i kind of had a guess as to where this is going one of the th issues I have with the idea of this murderous alter trope is the fact that what if someone is A, newly diagnosed, or B, seeing the signs that they might have, they might have DID, but then they should get therapy for it, and they see this and they kind of worry, oh my god, does this mean there's a killer inside me? Yes, that is exactly where I was going with that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the thing I think that we really need to stress is that systems have a collective moral compass 
And when I was talking to Hermione about this in our research session, I kind of asked her if um, like a broken moral compass in a system can also be like a virus in that it might not be the case that it affects every single part of the system, but if one is capable of committing a crime and not and not showing remorse for it, there are probably other alters who can as well. Yeah, and I think it also depends on what kind of crime and what the logic was behind it. It helps so mm-hmm. much to get to know your alters, whether or not they scare you, whether or not they commit a crime, whether or not they commit a harm on somebody else. Get to know why, because you'll understand more. Maybe it's not that they are completely apathetic to other people, but they felt that you needed something, like in in the case of theft. Maybe they felt like you desperately needed whatever they stole or that the system needed it and they didn't have any other way of getting it. So, you know, be responsible for what happened. You are guilty for stealing, whether or not it was this altar, the other altar, an altar you know. But still get to know that altar. Don't send them into exile because working with quote-unquote problematic altars will eventually lead you to understand yourself more and be able to have more, I don't want to say control because that's not the goal with getting to know your system, but to be able to work together, to be able to trust each other and to be able to step in when you need to step in and say, hey, I know that you really think we need that right now and you're willing to go so far as to steal it. Thank you for willing to do that for us. However, I think I have a better idea or however, I think this idea will keep us out of trouble. It might take a little longer to get our goals met, but it will make sure that we don't have to deal with the repercussions of doing something criminal. And you have a collective moral compass and you might not know what that is until you get to know more of the alters. And you might be scared about what that is. You might be confused about what that is, especially in the case of dealing with an altar that the common term for is persecutor or persecutory altar, the ones that do the cutting, the ones that become a harsh internal critic, they still need help. They still need to be accepted into the system. They still need to be worked with. If you try to control them, you're not going to have a great time. Yeah. If you try to get rid of them, you're still not going to have a great time. <laughs> no, because they don't want to go anywhere. No, and even if they do want to go anywhere, they they can't. They're part of your system. They're part of the whole. They are an essential component to your internal workings. So please work with them. And I think the other way to look at it is if you have an altar that was able to be in control long enough to commit a crime, in a way you've let society down by letting that altar go free and taking the punishment in a way is not just punishment for the crime itself, but punishment for the failure to protect society from that part. That's a good point. It makes me think a bit. So, for example, Queenie got into a fight because she was drunk one day, or you woke up in a cell because she was publicly intoxicated, to put some easy examples together. Possible, possible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Queenie, we're going to be picking on you a little bit, it seems. But the night in the cells is not just punishing Queenie for being publicly drunk. It's punishing the system for 
letting Queenie be out long enough to get publicly drunk. Yeah, letting the system get out of hand. Now, our system does have a good amount of communication, which means we can influence each other. We can uh, switch with each other's permission. And that means that our ability to take responsibility for anything and everything we do is a lot higher. We're able to, you know, interrupt each other most of the time. And sometimes we can't. Sometimes there's nothing we can do to stop the person in control from doing what they're going to do. And we are going to have to deal with the consequences of those decisions, regardless of who's out after the deeds are done. It makes me think of Devin, actually. And I don't know if at the time of recording this, Devin will have had a chance to talk about his story with this. But... I have the recording from before you went to hospital. I I touched on it during our research session last night, and maybe we could do a journey mashup as such when we have a launch date so that we have something to work with. So there is, we have a few options to kind of tell Devin's story as such. Okay, good. What I'm going to say about it is that Devin is a quote-unquote new alter to us. He was around when we were very little and suffered some pretty heinous abuse by the hands of somebody we trusted. And coming back into 2021, after existing in the 1990s and experiencing all of these changes on top of dealing with the memories he had last of the abuse... He was a very suicidal guy. Yeah. I think anybody would be in that situation. Honestly, I don't think anybody would take the news very well that you suddenly propelled 20 years into the future and that you were severely abused by somebody you loved and trusted. Yep. And it ended up sending us into the hospital. Now, Devin learned a lot from that experience and he learned that one of the consequences of acting on suicidal feelings is that you'll end up in a place where you have a lot of your rights and movement and free time restricted because psychiatric hospitals will control when you eat what you eat they'll control when light out time is when you're supposed to go to bed they'll control when you receive what medications And they control when you have free time or when you have group classes. That's not very fun for an adult to have to go through. It's definitely a consequence of being unsafe towards yourself or others. And they're going to keep you safe by any means necessary, which means, you know, you don't get to keep a pencil. (laughs) Oh, gosh, don't even joke about that. So when, when Apollo and I are eating dinner... We've been watching an old anime called Monster, which is about this series of events following a brilliant neurosurgeon in Germany disobeying the orders of his director and saving the life of a boy of about 10 years old. Actually, I think he was more like seven. Once we get to the end of this, which is a long series, I probably will break this down because there, it kind of skims into the idea of the murderous altar trope. Okay. But the but the character in question, which is the antagonistic one, he's very much like a behind-the-scenes kind of character. He pops up now and again, but more often than not, you're hearing people talk about him. Okay. 
his twin sister a few episodes ago from where I, we are now, he, she kind of tells the doctor who's trying to chase him down now because he regrets saving this guy's life. And he has watched this boy, now a man, kill someone in cold blood. Oh. So, but his twin sister, who was at the hospital with the boy when they were kids, she has actually said what really happened to the day that they were both in this hospital was her brother begged her to shoot him because there was a monster living inside him. And people started to say, uh, talk about it being a split personality. That does sound like it'll be um, worth reviewing. And stay tuned to our podcasts and our social media to know when we do that review. Anyway, I suppose that's, well, it was tangential. It's, a, it's related because it's a yet another example of this twisted split personality. <laughs> it's so pervasive in our society that um, I, th- I think that's most of the outrage that the community would be having. Not only that, yeah. hey, they got away with uh, a crime that the rest of us can't get away with just by saying that we have a disorder, but also yeah. that um, it continues to put the portrayal out there that more often than not, we're horrible, fiendish human beings and we can't help ourselves. And that it's 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 really not true <laughs> for the majority of those with this condition. Um, yeah, between I would say one percent and three percent of the population, according to U.S. statistics, that's it's not true that we are fiendish human beings. I mean, America has a good dose of its own problems when it comes to prison population, but uh, that's a different topic for a different day. <laughs> yes, we will definitely talk about that another day because it does impact mental health on society. But the problem we have is that it's unrealistic to, in terms of the legal state now because lawyers, psychologists, psychiatrists, and even people with DID themselves, they have this acknowledgement of the idea that if part of the, a system commits a crime, then the entire system has to repent for it. Right. And we will probably touch on this again when we come to the murders of the trope, which we did discuss as part of this. While we might be able to sympathize with the background that Milligan had, that does not say that we excuse, as yourself as someone with DID and myself as someone with depersonalization, realization, we do not excuse the crimes that have been committed and the trauma that they have put on to someone else. But it is, in my opinion, pretty unfair, and I think Celine shares this opinion, to the victims of Billy Milligan to have him get off on an insanity plea because of the trauma he gave them. Yes. I think I touched on it earlier when I said that the series is meant to be about overcoming mental health struggles. But Milligan, as far as we can tell, even if we argue that the attacks were caused by an alter who was in a great amount of distress and it's under the impression that they need the kind of sense of physical affection so much that they would take it from someone by force, there is the fact that that alter has held at least four people at gunpoint and another one, according to Milligan's statements, has committed armed robbery. And so while Billy Milligan himself collectively may not have committed murder, he has committed violent crimes and to use him as to say this is representative of people with DID is insulting to the victims, it's insulting to the DID community it's insulting to the dissociative community in general. Yes, I don't find rape 
excusable by any means. I can't find a way in myself to be like, oh, that makes sense that somebody would do that because it doesn't to me. Armed robbery, I can understand, maybe get rid of the gun, but he went too far. (laughs) Yeah, you know, do as you will, but do no harm, right? Right. Regardless of where that ethos came from and your opinion on that, I think that's a good concept to live by. So don't insult the victims of sexual assault by saying that their attacker didn't know any better. The altar that committed these attacks, it, you know, taking Milligan's words for it, to you to say this, they are stated to be in the age of majority. So they should be old enough to know better than to take what they want from someone by force. Just because... I agree with that. They are a fragment that Billy might not have been in control of. That does not excuse it. And if he wasn't in control of this altar then he has let himself and society down by being in a position where she, according to him, can run free and hurt at least four people. Oof. (laughs) That's a little bit of nervous laughter. And that doesn't account for the one that, according to him, committed the armed robbery. So he had at least two who were committing violent crimes that would be doing psychological damage on other people and was getting away with it up until being arrested. Yep. And then was able to get the insanity plea so that they would avoid the legal repercussions. Now, there's a little bit of back and forth in our system about whether or not it would have been better for him to do a decade of state hospitalization or if it would have been better for him to be in jail. And I think some of that we can talk more about in the episode about the U.S. prison system. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, I will definitely have to do some research on prison in the UK. But one thing I can tell you right off the bat is that it's owned by the state. Well, we've covered a lot. I'm wondering if now would be a good time to let the audience know of the alternative media that you could get access to that might give you a more accurate portrayal. I think so. Okay, cool. So So we talked about Herschel Walker. And he has a book out on the subject. There's also Robert B. Oxnam, who wrote the book A Fragmented Mind, which I think is a great insight. Um, just um, a disclaimer, since he brought that up. I did not know about Oxnam or his book when, when I kind of coined the term for this podcast. <laughs> I might have known. <laughs> but you didn't tell me until Hermione brought up the book uh, last night. It's one of those, you know it, but you don't recall it until the last minute situations. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll let you off then. All right. (laughs) Dissociation for the win. No, I'm responsible, I swear. (laughs) Okay. A little tongue in cheek. Absolutely. That's how we roll here. So, on on top of the two books that we've just discussed there is the film frankie and alice starring halle berry we touched on it in the very very beginning but frankie is inspired by a true story uh it's a biopic so there are some tweaks for dramatic effect but the key parts of the story are based on a real person and as a system we would say that this is probably the most accurate portrayal we have ever seen on um any visual media of 
DID. Holly Berry does a great job. She did a lot of research talking to other people with the condition and talking to Frankie herself. And the way they handle the dissociation, dissociative switches, I think, is well done. It's good to hear. We also have the film Waking Madison. Do you have any commentary about that one? Waking Madison, um, what I saw is it mostly focuses on the internal world experience that somebody has with the ID. So throughout the film, you really get to know the alters and the discordance between all of them and how different each of them are. And you learn about the traumas that Madison has gone through, as well as the daily struggles with keeping on top of rent. I would say that for anybody who's particularly sensitive to religious abuse, watch this film when you are already in an okay state or when you have a buddy or avoid it depending on your level of issue with religious abuse. But it is another fairly accurate film. It is definitely dramatized and I think it's interesting that they take a perspective of focusing mostly on the internal world. And then we need to watch these ourselves, but someone who was liked by Multiplicity than me, because we follow her on Twitter, her slash them. I'm assuming it, that unless they sign it, that it's just behind the keyboard. But there are two episodes from different TV shows have been put forward as a good portrayal of DID. One is the Lie to Me episode called The Core of It, which is season two, episode one. And then the other is Law and Order SVU, episode six of season 20, where the victim has DID. I look forward to watching this when I can get my hands on it for sure. And then maybe we'll even do a review for our audience to know about what we think. Yeah, I would gladly take part in that. So on this very messy episode, but hey, podcast newbies. Do we have any other news to share with our listeners from this current moment in time? We have some curveball episodes coming up eventually to help introduce other members of the system. Some members are excited to do them. Some of them just might show up. On my end, basically the big news is just that I have chosen a proper microphone for this show. At the moment, I am using the microphone that comes with the Artis Proto Wireless um, headset. And do not get me wrong, I absolutely love this headset to bits, but I definitely need to invest in better tack so i've chosen an outlet now i just need to get a um stand for it so that i can use it wherever i end up recording on a given day because of the limited space in the flat <laughs> so hopefully oh yeah i do have a little bit of news on that and too that i've been able to work out our budget and by june i should have a new audio set where i will be able to record with better audio quality hopefully i'm still getting the egg cartons up hopefully <laughs> it helps with some of the noise yeah and we are also planning on getting a sound barrier curtain to put in front of the window to also help with the noise so that's some news on the behind the scenes yeah because, let's face it, we're not going to have the best sound in our early episodes for a plethora of reasons. Yeah, now I just need to get Apollo's rearing gear about getting the house move again. And who knows, maybe I can try and get somewhere to give me a dedicated podcast studio. <laughs> that would be lovely. Anyway, on those bombshells, this has been Celine from Fragmented Minds, based in London. 
I don't particularly want to say I hope you enjoyed today's episode because it is a bit of a heavy topic, but I hope you have found it informative and that it has taught you something that will help the world be a better place for DID systems and the people around them. This has been Zane from the Xanity System coming to you from the USA. We will do our best to provide links and information with the podcast. If you have any commentary or would like to continue any of the discussions that we've started here, or if you have media that you would like to share with the world, feel free to tag us and join the community on Twitter or Instagram. Until next time. Toodles. Thanks again for listening to Fragmented Minds. A mental health podcast from the patient's chair. Hosted and produced by Celine. And the Xanity System. Music by Purple Planet. For resources and sources, check our show notes. Have a great day and see you next time.